great. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. All right. There we go. I see us. Hey, YouTube cooperates yeah. a little bit better at six o'clock. All right. I like it. I'm starting. Their servers must still be awake. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 242, your once week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. Mm -hmm. I'm Steve. Welcome to the show, everyone, at its brand new time, and thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday yep. night, or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party immediately following the show, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. Welcome to the okay. show. Yeah, that's early, early time slot. I just woke up, so, you know. <laughs> At least comb your hair next time, man. God. Yeah, I know. I, well, I, I use my fingers. That's close enough. <laughs> that's all just I do like, anymore. <laughs> Uh, no. How you doing, Steve? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, but but you're right. No, I I am sorely in need of a haircut. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's that's. Why did I think of wearing a hat? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This last week was totally the the Bo Burnham. I had a haircut, but it got rescheduled. Yeah. Uh, I had one scheduled for last Tuesday. And last Monday, I tested positive for COVID. So this last week has been, oh, it's been weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see why. Yeah. Well, at least you didn't get the uh, the wife haircut where she just takes out the buzz cuts. <sighs> I had, what, three or four of those over the last yeah. two years. And man, I am so done with those. <laughs> bless my wife she's yes. she's a wonderful person but a terrible stylist <laughs> yes i i i wouldn't trust i mean because i don't trust myself either right yeah like, I, I, I did I, one by myself i did i did my son's haircut a couple of times and uh, it, it wasn't great <laughs> i mean he's a kid he doesn't care right it's just like uh but you can see like some of the uneven bits and all over his hair he, he doesn't care he's like i just want to play with my toys but I'm like, uh, I am not going to ever cut my hair or anybody else's. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's funny. The, the skills that you pick up during stay at home and, and quarantine mm -hmm, global mm -hmm. pandemic, and then the skills that you learn are definitely not for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I couldn't be a surgeon either, and I can't even cut hair because I can't keep my hands steady. Right, right. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, that that goes back to, like, the theme of my channel, which is try to do it yourself and try yeah. to do things, you know, well and purposefully and, and mm -hmm. with care. That is the definition of craft that I like to use. Mm -hmm. uh, and you find things you're good at, and you find things that yeah, I'd rather pay someone to do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you find that out pretty quickly. Yes. Ah. Uh, and hey, you know what the best part of a new time slot is? We can start drinking two hours earlier. 
Uh, you know what? I, I still kind of do that on the normal weeks anyway. So. I, I, I assumed with you. <laughs> well, I mean, I work from home, you know, it's like, yeah, it's 430, you know, because I work with a lot of people uh, on the East Coast, like in mm-hmm. uh, uh, Montreal and stuff like that. Yeah. And in Tennessee. So, you know, rolling around four o'clock, eh, they're all off already. They're not going to contact me. It's yeah. fine. No one's going to care. If a ticket comes in, it can wait till six in the morning. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Well, most of my tickets come in from India, so they wouldn't get it. To, I wouldn't get it until the next morning anyway. Right. So. Good deal. Uh, but yeah, Steve, what are you drinking tonight? All right. Today, I have the yearly release of the three-way IPA Ooh, by Fort George. I didn't know they had now, that yet. Yes, they do. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Fort George, uh, one of the in my opinion, one of the better breweries here in Oregon. And every year they do a three-way IPA, which is a collaboration uh, uh, IPA that they do um, with different styles and different hops. And um, this year they did two kinds. One, they did a hazy style, which is what this one is. And they also did a Northwest style, um, which I already drank all of, so I'm not drinking it tonight. (laughs) You can see which uh, one was the better. Yes, yes. This one actually, this one is the better one because um, this oh. one came out second. Uh, but I forget, I forget who they collabed with. I think it's Roos Brewing they collabed with. I'm not 100 percent sure. It doesn't. I can't really immediately see it on the can. Um, and my second one is uh, Terminal Gravity Brewing's Hop Vault series, the Imperial Juice Bomb. Ooh. Uh, I have not tried this one yet, so we'll see how this one goes. But something called Imperial Juice Bomb piques my interest. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and this last one, I'm, I'm. This was nothing special because it's just a Yeti. Okay. It's just a standard Imperial Stout Yeti, which I'm sure a lot of people have had. But the thing about this one is, a lot of people have aged uh, Imperial beers in in bottles. Mm-hmm. This one is aged in a can. So yeah. this is a can aged Yeti. It was bottled in 2017. Wow. So it's been aging for a while in a can. So I want to see. That predates craft computing. It does. It does. <laughs> so I want to see if it's going to have that kind of metallic taste versus mm-hmm. when you age it in a bottle when it really doesn't have that. So right, right. I'll, I'll, I'll see how this goes. Nice. Uh, so I've got uh, one from Crux Fermentation Project over in Bend, oh, Oregon. I love Crux. Yes. Uh, this is uh, a limited release. It is the Kiki Magic Hazy IPA. Oh. Yeah, I've had that one. That's good. Oh, yeah. I, I've had one of these. And, yeah. and I went, I have to open the, the other one on the show. Yeah. Uh, 6.9%. Uh, it is... Uh, producing unexpected pineapple and ripe pear expressions. Uh, I I thought when I had it, I thought it kind of tasted like Fruit Loop cereal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the second one that I've got for today is a classic. Uh, this is from Quilters Brewing. Uh, you probably already know what it is. Uh, or no, not Quilters Brewing. It is, uh, gosh, I never remember the name of this one. Anyway, it's Quilter's Irish Death. Oh, yes. Irish Death is great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah this is a, a standard. Uh, what would you even call this? It's a smooth dark ale is what they it's say. A, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, either dark ale or strong ale. Yeah. I would, I would consider it. Yeah. 7.8%. Uh, but uh, if you see this on the shelf, 
grab one. It is, uh, if you've never gotten into like dark beers, this is a fantastic mm-hmm. intro without getting into yeah. the the coffee and the dark chocolate, right. and the, the super rich and bitter flavors. Um, this is yeah. a phenomenal, smooth, easy drinking, but still richer and darker flavors. So Yeah. So it's not like super roasty like stouts and porters, but right. it definitely has a, uh, a smoother dank i wouldn't say dank here like darker slight roast flavor not much right, at all right exactly more more multi multi-sweet yep so i think we're gonna start with the hazy okay cause... i think i think i will too i'm gonna do i'm gonna start with my three-way because that sounds really good uh we do have a couple super chats while i'm doing the pouring here uh the net guy chimes in at 199 first super chat of the new time slot thank you so much john uh, Tech Geek jumps in for 10 bucks. Not first. Uh, just like every good YouTube comment section, we've got to have a first. That is first not actually not first. first. Yeah. Uh, Tech Geek also sends over 40 bucks. Thank you again, Tech Geek. Uh, evening, gents. Drinking, drinking a grape crush tonight. Uh, to commemorate the new time, I do not drink, but grapes are round and several small, are like several <laughs> small clocks. Okay, trying to go with the time theme, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. But grapes are round and like several small clocks. There we go. Cheers to you go. and all my fellow nerds. Cheers to you right back. Uh, Sean sends over $5. Thank you very much, Sean. First beer uh, first beer is Mustache Sean's Chocolate Stout. Second beer of the mm. night, Medusa by Black Plague Brewing in San Diego. It's an 8% Imperial Milk mm. Stout. Never heard of them. I've been to San Diego, but San Diego, there's new breweries that pop up down there all the time. So yeah. I'm not surprised. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we have any more. Jeremy's got a Mountain Dew. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Novella Hub with an Anchorage Breathe Deep Double IPA. That's a fantastic mm. one, 8.4%. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhett is drinking a Drop Top uh, from Widmer. It's an Amber mm-hmm. Ale. Surprised so, it's not a not a Rainier. Uh, Williams got a Fremont Brewing Dark Star Imperial Oatmeal Stout, eight hmm. percent. Always Dark love me a good Fremont. Dark Star's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, World Peas has a Big K Citrus Drop. It's the Kroger brand Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> The Doctor Dew or whatever, whatever yeah. they call it. It's their Mountain Dew Doctor Pepper mix. And we'll do one more. Uh, Steve is drinking a Summit EPA. Summit EPA, huh? Yeah. What's a What's an EPA? I don't know what an EPA. I've, I, I for ESB. And uh and uh, you know, R. Uh, uh, yeah. What's Eng- English Pale Ale? English Pale Ale. Okay. So we're going full circle from you know Brits created the Imperial or. India pale yeah. to mm-hmm. yeah I don't know what the difference would be I guess I have to look it up I know there's like a there's a couple charts you can find that have like all the beer styles and stuff like that and there's a ton of them with all different subtle differences and I don't know if anybody can rightfully just take a sip of something and be like oh well that's that's an English pale versus an American pale you know right. it's like I don't versus know a straight pale versus yeah, yeah yeah like typically IPAs are a lot hoppier or at least yeah. you know especially the West Coast IPAs are mm-hmm. but yeah usually a pale is a pale so mm-hmm. yeah I'm curious to find out uh, what makes an English an English pale ale 
I'm gonna guess probably the malt profile. You drink it with possibly. Pinky, yeah. yeah, that's what you do. You have a little tea in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can only drink. You gotta drink it with your crumpets. Uh, Elliot chimes in for fifteen bucks. Thank you very much, Elliot. I'm appreciative of the new time slot. I used to work second shift and listen to live at work, but moving to a five a.m. time start with the new job, I haven't been able to catch the live show in a while. Well, glad you're able to catch it now. Uh, and that's kind of the the whole idea of it is to be able to hit a little bit larger audience. I know a lot of people on the West Coast like the 8 p.m. start time, but that means I get no one on the East Coast because, well, we didn't start until yep, 11 p.m. Yep. It's the same reason no one on the East Coast watches Blazer games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, it's like 10.30 start time. They're playing the Hornets. Ah, screw that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, trying to hit a little bit earlier time slot be a little bit friendlier for everyone. So. Yeah. So if you're catching us for the first time live, welcome. Or if you're circling back around, yeah. hope you enjoy it. Yeah. First time this time slot. And uh, I think I think my wife might appreciate it a little bit more too. Because, you know, once this is over, I can tuck my kid in bed and everything like that. Yep. So. Yeah, I had to make dinner on my own tonight. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'll be <laughs> able to get off the show, go tuck my kids in bed, read stories, that kind of thing. So That was the best Pop-Tarts you've had in a while, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, chicken and a biscuit, actually. Oh, okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> chicken pop tarts. It's, it's good. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm. If you want a big one, just take a pop tart and take a like little ramen chicken seasoning. Oh, oh. Sprinkle it on top. So one of the. Uh, I don't think John's released this video yet, but we did do the whole gamut of uh, stone hot sauces. Okay. And we kind of did a hot wings type of a thing where we just, I mean, we coated the hot sauce and, and wings and mm -hmm. we'd taste it and we'd, we'd say what we thought. Um, but we went through them all and then he had this like Korean hot sauce powder type of stuff. No, it was, it was, a, it was a liquid. It wasn't a powder. But it tasted just like uh, the top ramen seasoning packet, the chicken top ramen seasoning packet, but very hot. Mm -hmm. And that's what it tasted like. It was like... <laughs> You put that on the wings. It was uh -huh. like a spicy top ramen wing at that part. I thought it was like absolutely delicious. And I'm like, yeah, you could probably use that and just sprinkle that on some of your like pop tarts and get oh. a chicken pop tart there. Spicy totally. chicken pop tart. <laughs> yeah, as as someone who is quite the uh, the ramen chef, uh -huh. like um, I was one of those guys in college that literally knew how to make ramen fifty different mm. ways because you know it's cheap. Yeah. yeah. 20 cents for noodles heck yes yeah. oh yeah i've done the 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 french onion soup ramen i've yep. done like the pad thai ramen i've done the pad thai uh, ramen i did that quite a bit the pad the pad thai ramen actually turns out pretty good yes oh there was one i did like a uh you go by the trail uh, mix section get a little uh little honey roasted peanut just dice those up. oh yeah oh yeah that's no I, I, i'd use the honey roasted peanuts they're great what was it the the garlic uh, spicy garlic noodle mm -hmm. um i've done that one before that one turned out really good as i well. used to do a melted uh butter garlic sauce uh like a reduction that i mm -hmm. would do with like one of the little walmart one dollar salmon fillets oh yeah and some like make a little italian you know <laughs> meal with it oh man yeah i i just i just recently did um went to a, a uh, Mexican place uh, nearby and got some mm -hmm. birria and with birria they give you the the consomme the the like the, the kind of like au jus right it's a dipping uh -huh. sauce and so they gave me so much of it they gave me like three containers full of this stuff and I only used make maybe half mm -hmm. and so I saved I saved the rest and then so I went and got uh uh the the tapateo 
instant ramen bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I made, I put the consomme in that and then made ramen out of that. Mm. And that was excellent. It was like a super thick, beefy, brothy uh, ramen spiciness. It was really good. Uh, Glenn says chicken ramen with a poached egg. That was yes, also I've a fantastic one. Yeah. Uh, uh, you could also do uh, ramen with an egg drop. And so you get the water mm -hmm. super hot and boiling and you do like an egg drop Spin soup. It. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. Uh, Reverend says, I'm definitely not drinking Inhale Smith Revision Collab Split Aces IPA while sitting at the bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's something like I would not do too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> totally haven't done that. Yeah, I've never done that before. <laughs> we, were, we were driving back the other day and I was just like beat tired and I wanted something to drink and I was about to crack open. I was in the passenger seat and I was about to crack open a beer and you're just like, no. No, don't do that. What about, I'm driving? Come on. <laughs> Tired. Yeah, I'm unfortunately, drinking. Oregon is really strict about those open container yeah. laws, though. Yeah, I know they are. I know they are. I get nervous when I used I used to get, like, IBC root beers and things mm -hmm. like that. I would get mm -hmm. nervous drinking those uh, right. around town. Yeah, uh, because it looks like you're drinking a beer, yeah. Right, yeah. They've got a, the fancy, it, fancy root beer bottles. Yeah, it's a, it's a tan bottle, and it's like, mm -hmm. no, root beer, cream soda. <laughs> you know? Yeah, come on, guys. It's, it's fine. Relax. Yeah, so I, I tried not to do that too much. Anyway, let's go yeah. ahead and jump into the mm -hmm. tech news, starting with uh, these rumors have been flying for quite a while, and the more rumors you see and the more times they are corroborated, the more times uh, I feel they might be onto something. Uh, so the RTX 4090 is predicted to have a 2,520 megahertz boost clock, 21 gigabit per second, 24 gigs of GDDR6, uh, have a 450 watt estimated TDP. <laughs> uh, and yeah, what is that? 16,384 CUDA cores and 32 floating, uh, or yeah, floating point. Why are we? Okay, I clicked on the Twitter post. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be beefy high. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is almost 50% higher than, than the, the 3000 series. Yeah. Uh, so between five nanometer process improvements over the seven nanometer or six nanometer, I guess was, uh, was on the Samsung, mm -hmm. uh, to TSMC five nanometer, uh, between that and the overall die, uh, surface area improvements, we could be looking at between 70 and 100% improvement year over year over the 3000 series cards. Uh, That's insane. <laughs> I have a 3090 and good God. Oh good yeah. God, that card is fast. <laughs> and and I, yeah. I paired it with a Ryzen 5950X. Like aside from the 12900KF, and the 3090 Ti, I have the fastest consumer parts that you can buy. And holy crap, they cut through anything that I want. No questions asked. Uh, but now let's just go ahead and double it year over year. Yeah. Like I yeah. thought those days were well behind us as far as like 
like remember Steve in the early 2000s and, and even going back into the 90s and whatnot, mm-hmm. where you could literally every six months double graphics card performance. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was there was a reason why people like, oh, well, we'll we'll skip a generation because right. we know the next one after that is just going to be like so much better. Right. Uh, I, I mean, and back in those days, we did it with CPUs, too. Uh, yeah. And we, we've talked about like the race to one gigahertz a number of times on the show, but mm-hmm. going from 300 to 600 to 1200 megahertz, I believe, was only a 18 month period. Yeah. Like from 300 megahertz, Pentium 2 being the top of the line offering from Intel to AMD cracking the one gigahertz mark at one gigahertz and then Intel coming right in behind him and doing 1.1 and 1.2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, 18 months of each other. You could have built a PC and had it been one quarter of the power 18 months later. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you, it would have been top of the line. And I did. Ago. Yeah, I know. A lot of us did. We're like... <laughs> Yeah, don't buy computers for investment unless you're going to mm-hmm. buy it for work. That's why I never bought, like back then, especially back in the 90s. Well, I didn't have that kind of money, but right. uh, I never bought top of the line because I'm like, it's it's just, it's it may last me longer, but it's always better to get that middle of the road cost to performance uh, type of thing. Because it could still last you a good amount of time and you're not, right. you know, shelling out so much money. Yep. Uh, we are finally getting the jump in memory from the RTX 3080 series. No longer are we going with uh, 8 or 12 gigabytes. In fact, mm-hmm. we are jumping all the way up to 16 gigabytes. And I've got to say, what took so long? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the RTX 4070 uh, is expected to have uh, 10 gigabytes of GDDR6, not GDDR6X, a 300 watt TDP, and 7,168 CUDA cores. Um, so just under half of the CUDA cores of the 4090. Yep. So this is about to get really interesting, y'all. <laughs> it, it is. And and the, the thing is, is, and you know, I've talked about this on the show several times and how I was really jonesing to get a 3000 series. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they were released, they were gone because the yeah. cryptocurrency miners just snatched them all up and then they just were just out of just priced out yeah the way i can get it and i sold my 2000 series specifically because i wanted to buy a 3000 series and i was like really bummed about that <clears throat> so finally now as everybody knows the price is going down on on cards again did, did you jump Back, on one no not yet well okay. I, I i was tempted because i've been seeing some sales where mm-hmm. it's actually getting below msrp yeah. with like mail-in rebates and stuff like that i'm like okay now it's starting to become more reasonable yeah. but then i saw these specs like, <laughs> and you're like, uh, I can wait. I could wait a couple more months and see. Yeah. Uh, uh, because I'm just right at the cusp. Uh, okay. And I, I'd feel bad if I bought something and be like, well, you just paid the same amount of money that if you got, if you just waited, you know, 50% more performance. Yep. So, yeah, I think I'm going to wait just based on this. Yeah. Yeah, I have my 3090. Now, I also paid $2,700 for my 3090. Yeah, Um, but I needed the memory for video editing. Mm -hmm. It it wasn't like, oh, I want the gaming chops. I I can wait. Yeah, we don't need to. We can push that. I mean, the 30, even the the 3080, 3070 has decent 4K performance. Right, exactly. Uh, Uh, But they also only have 8 gigs of RAM. And, And I went... I need more than eight gigs of video memory for, for video editing. Yes, but I'm course. also not going to go down to, you know, like 
like a quadro card or, or something like that mm. to get 16 mm. gigs but get 1070 level performance like i still mm. need some decent gaming performance i mean right. i was on a 2080 at the time um but 24 gigs was kind of the only option so yeah. and in fact i tried going with uh with an amd with uh, the 6900 xt but adobe premiere hates that card it, it hates oh. it with a fiery <laughs> passion uh, uh and so yeah had to had to double down and pivot and go towards a, a 3000 series at the top of the market is oof. i guess not quite the top they were selling for like 3300 at one point but right still painful yeah that probably hurt mm-hmm. yeah knowing that well i mean knowing that you're not going to resell it for like investment purposes right you like that's not so bad so, you know right it's a write-off business expense type of a thing well it, it was a business expense and it's a founder's card so i can use it for comparisons for years to come and, Correct, yeah. and like um i've also got a 3070 that i that i paid a thousand dollars for and that one was literally just for a benchmark card mm-hmm. like i mm-hmm. i don't use that card day to day um mm-hmm. but i needed that card for benchmarking some other video cards that had come in um so yeah it it's weird the things that i have to spend my money on versus like get to spend my money on versus things that come in for review uh mm-hmm. just because something comes in for review doesn't mean it's free in fact yeah. it something that comes in for review equals like 20 hours of work and as mm-hmm. as every self-employed person will tell you uh time is money time is money yeah of course yeah <laughs> so uh yeah it's, i'm not going to complain about it but at the same time it's like it's not free like, yeah no it's not free i mean yes you get it but there's expected work behind there's there's never such thing as a free lunch right that saying rings true in this particular case because, yeah, yeah, you, you may get the hardware for free, but you got to put a lot of work into, into doing something behind it. Yeah. Uh, I've been asked a number of times, how do you become a tech YouTuber? Like, how, how do I, like, get to the point where I can start getting gear for free? And the thing I will always tell everyone is, well, put $20,000 into it first. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I had spent something like $24,000 of my own money before I got to the point where I was starting to get cases for review. Mm-hmm. It's like, yay, $100. That's, that's yeah. That, that's probably the easiest ones to get too is cases. Like, yeah. So yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> for and I think still, even to this day, you, you, you still kind of have a hard time getting video cards. Um, yes, but also no. Like I, I, I have vendors that I could reach out to and go, yo, I need this and mm-hmm. and I'll get it. Um, I, I've i made it less of a focus of trying to do video card reviews because- mm-hmm. So many other people do it. So many other people do it. And, and I know I'm not the point of authority on it. And, and honestly, it got to the point where even though I know what I'm talking about and I think I do provide a unique perspective on video cards, um, mm-hmm. on performance, on building PCs, uh, it gets really frustrating when 80% of the comments that I receive are, well, Gamers Nexus said this. And it's yeah. like, that's cool. Did you see his review criteria? They're completely different from my review criteria. Yeah, I, I review everything from the point of view of a consumer who spent X money on that card and would I be happy with that performance? And you reach some different answers. And yeah. and and honestly, I think it's a more honest way to review products because not every product compares laterally across the board with every other right. product. Um, 
and and there's a lot more nuance in reviews than just synthetic benchmarks and this one right. performed three percent faster than the yeah. other if, if people love raw numbers and stuff like that yeah go go to gamers nexus where right. they'll 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 get the minutia of every little tiny right you know stat you can get from the thing right exactly uh, uh but like when it comes down to case reviews and cooler reviews and things like that like i'll do a case review and go i love the features inside this case i love how quiet it is it's uh it's easy to build in i like this little thing that they did on top and and the mounts are easy to work with and someone will go yeah but it's not a mesh front so it's gonna run really hot inside of it and i went yeah but it's also quieter like like there's another yeah. subjective measurement to that and that is i don't want to hear my pc yeah <laughs> and I guess quiet, what as quiet as and, possible and guess what if you put a solid face on the front of it and give the fans room to breathe yeah they're not going to move as much air mm-hmm. but i also don't have to listen to it yeah so yeah it's going to perform three to four to five percent less or won't boost quite as high okay but <laughs> that's yeah, but my trade-off that's, that, yeah that's the trade-off you, right. you can't get everything Right. So like while while measuring to the nth percentile for mm-hmm. the top the top performance you can possibly gain out of things, there's other aspects of reviews that to me always get lost in the noise. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like I said, I'm I've gotten aggravated over the years of I'm trying to bring those other arguments to the forefront of like, yeah, X is the best video card that you can get or like, I really like how quiet this one is. Yeah, but the memory runs 13 degrees warmer. Yeah, but it's still 30 degrees under spec. Like, what do you yeah, want from it's me? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I could go on and on and on about that subject. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the next story. Um, sure. This one is really funny. Uh, Tesla has come up with a way to extend the range on their cars. Uh, why don't you just haul a trailer with a battery <laughs> attached to it, a giant solar panel, oh, and a Starlink satellite just for good measure so you can sit in the parking lot, surf the internet while charging your car. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting concept. Um... This, this sounds like a project that... Uh, that Electroboom would come up with, or... Uh, Tom Stanton would come up with or like this this looks like a YouTuber's dream concept of like could I um, who was the one who hauled a bunch of generators on the back of his Tesla Uh, there was a car YouTuber who did that I think it might have been Rich Rebuilds that that hooked up like a an 18,000 watt generator to the back of his Tesla just like this giant diesel blower generator and he goes, yeah, we'll drive it to where we need to go, and then we'll fire up the diesel generator and charge it. <laughs> See, <laughs> well, but then you got some added weight, so you'll get less. You get less fuel economy, less, plus you're burning economy. diesel. <laughs> right? Yeah, going up that way. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be that would be pretty. I mean, it would be interesting to see. Well, for one, how long it takes to recharge your car from solar panels. I know that takes longer. Um. But yeah, like you said, well, you got Starlink and you can just hook up your Netflix and sit there and watch a couple movies Yeah, while you're waiting for it. I, it's probably great for camping, too. You could take your Tesla camping with that thing in the back. What would be better is if they had storage on it so you could put your tents and stuff back in there. Right. Then you have it, unpack it when you go camping. Your Tesla's getting charged up. You, you've got Starlink so you can watch a movie at your campsite. There you go. And then when you're done and ready, you 
Tesla should be all charged up. You can get back in and go out the next day. That's right. Um, I will say we bought a, uh, a Toyota Sienna hybrid and mm. there's two things that I hate and it's minivans and hybrids, but I, but I find myself loving this van the more we own it because it gets 35 miles of the gallon. Um, it's super low maintenance because your engine only turns on when you're, uh, going above like 35 miles an hour it can do straight ev for 20 miles up to like 45 miles an hour um it's uh it does 600 miles on a tank of gas uh and it's only like a 17 gallon tank or something like that um like it's really really impressive what it does plus it has a 1500 watt uh inverter built into it so Mm -hmm. you it has like a 15 amp circuit in it that you could just (laughs) It's got outlets in the rear of it that you can just plug nice. in and, and plug you've in got like in. days worth of power. Uh, nice. So, so yeah, if like our power goes out, I've got a, um, gosh, I want to say it's a 7,800 watt generator here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 7,800 watts. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a propane generator, which I really like because there's a propane fill station right down the hill from me. And so super easy to get refills. I've got uh, four... 30 gallon tanks here and I'm looking at getting a couple hundred pound tanks uh, before too long. Um, Just in case power goes out, you know, I want to keep the sumps running and fridges and things like that. Dude, I can run the fridges just off my van. (laughs) (laughs) It's got an extension cord coming from your van down into your house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on there, guys? What are you guys doing? Yeah. I'm using my car to warm my house. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, and it it drives great. Uh, it it drives like a crossover, not like a minivan. It it doesn't right. feel like you know you're sitting on top of the front axle and you know driving a bus. It feels like a crossover, mm-hmm. um, and and it drives well. So, but yeah, uh, yeah. If you want to extend the range of your Tesla, just took up a trailer with a set of batteries and a solar panel, and then while you're waiting four days for the sun to charge it. Uh, you've got internet, so yeah, that's right. There you go. You can catch up, catch up on everything on the internet you want. Yeah, you can binge watch Obi Wan and rage out to Twitter. <laughs> that's one thing I have to catch up on. I have not caught up on Obi Wan yet. I'm not going to so spoil not, anything. It, okay, so we better not be talking about it. <laughs> I, I won't be talking about it. I won't be talking about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I am. I am woefully behind. I, I've been. I've been busy this last month, and so I'm woefully behind on on my yeah. Star Trek and my Obi Wan and all the other shows. Yep. I like to watch. Uh, yes, Strange New Worlds and Obi Wan. I, I I got caught up with all of those. Um, I will say, seriously impressed uh, with yeah. with both series. Okay. Um, uh, have you watched any Strange New Worlds yet? I watched the first episode. Okay. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to because one, those are s- such long episodes now. They're like almost mini movies. Right. Because they're about what? Because uh, like the first one was like almost an hour and a half long. You know, even Is over that. that. No, it was, I th- it's pretty long. No, I think they're all standard runtime. They're all. Oh no! Standard... Wait, no, oh, no. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Strange New Worlds. Strange yeah. New Worlds. I was thinking Stranger Things. Oh yeah, me. yeah, Strange New Worlds. Yeah, <laughs> Stranger Things. Yeah, Strange New Worlds. No, I, I have. Uh, I'm only behind on Strange New Worlds by two episodes okay okay so i'm pretty caught up with that one but um yes i've actually been really enjoying those as yeah. well and the well i haven't i'm, I'm behind two on strange new worlds and behind two on the orville i just caught up with the boys mm-hmm. um 
and uh, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm a little bit behind. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> prepared. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, every Talking Heads has a sponsor, and you'd know that if you uh, watch the show regularly. So mm -hmm. thank you for joining us on our new time slot. But as always, this show is brought to you by Linode. If you've ever needed to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business, but don't have the resources or time to invest into hardware, power, cooling, or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software for most of the tutorials you'll find on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS server, re uh, recur <laughs> VPN mm -hmm. gateway, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more, easy for me to say. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also recently announced they are the first alternative cloud provider to have NVMe block storage available to all customers. Back in September, they began rolling out NVMe drives to all 11 of their global data centers. Best of all, storage rates will remain at the same low price they always have been. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing, and thanks again to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Yes, thanks, Linode. Thank you, Linode. Steve can drink for another day. <laughs> thanks, Linode. It won't explode. I guess. Thanks to Linode, it won't explode. Like you, yeah, I guess. You, you got to get the. I I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying here. <laughs> Steve, I, I thought we agreed to leave the writing to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always just a suggestion. Sorry, just needed an aside with my co-host there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, what else we got here? Uh, I don't know if you saw last week on the show, uh, we covered a quick story about the Raspberry Pi Pico being used as a very inexpensive, essentially cartridge hack for the Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm. um, devices like the EverDrive or backup to SD or, or even back in the day, you could back up ROMs onto like CDs and things. Um, those have always been in extremely expensive endeavors uh, for yeah. the reverse engineering uh, required to bypass Nintendo security or Sega security or whoever to create a card with a bootloader or create a cartridge with a bootloader on it that would interface with an SD card that would load your ROMs on demand, save all your states and do everything else um, to be able to essentially play your retro games on retro hardware, but in a more convenient form factor. Yeah. Um, well, Last week, the Raspberry Pi Pico, uh, Raspberry Pi's 2040 microcontroller, came to the rescue with a Nintendo 64 cartridge that did just that. It contained a bootloader and a simple menu, and you could load ROMs straight off of an SD card. Uh, <coughs> this week, they're bringing that trick, or someone with a Raspberry Pi Pico is bringing that trick to the GameCube. Uh, essentially doing a solderless mod chip for the GameCube that allows you to load games directly off of an SD card via a memory slot adapter. Oh, uh, quick correction, it's not solderless. You do have to do some soldering. Oh, is there? Okay. Yes, I, I thought they a little had, bit of soldering. I thought they had done a, a clamp. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's okay. some soldering that That's has to right. be done. Uh, but right. it's only like three points, so it's not like yeah. three or four points. It's not like a, a ton of soldering. Yeah. 
because yeah, I was I was actually quite interested in this because I still have my original GameCube. And so I'm like, do I. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm like, look at this. This is interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of soldering going on, but it's not too bad. It's not like there's um, a lot of micro soldering that you have to do. The mm -hmm. contacts are pretty big, um, and it's. I think it looks like it's only four or five points that you have to do. Yeah, there's a couple so, of this I2C chip right here, and then it looks like mm -hmm. three points on some test pads. Yeah, so, I think there's a gr there's a ground that you have to solder as well. But uh, yeah. if, if you watch the video down there, they kind of go through it. It's it's a pretty uh, uh, thorough, quick setup on how it's done. Um, and it's yeah, it's very interesting because like <laughs> it's great. You can just power the thing right up. Uh, all your games are right there on the SD. It still works with your old discs. So you can still right. pop your discs in, and it still works. Uh, so I'm like, ooh, that to me I think is the coolest thing is. Mm -hmm is it allows you to use your SD card via the memory card slot as a bootloader, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily permanently modify your your native boot ROM or yeah. hardware in any you know meaningful way. Yeah, you're soldering wires to it, but your disk reader still works. You're not swapping mm -hmm. that out for other hardware. Yeah. Um, a lot of the mods that I've seen for the GameCube uh, that are like ROM booting systems mm -hmm. have been like replacing the optical drive with with yeah. an SD reader and mm -hmm. or or adding a hard drive into there was a hard drive slot for network adaption and, and things like that. Um, those are cool, but at the same time, they're permanent modifications of the hardware. And yeah. I like that this is just like bypassing the hardware with the use of a couple yeah. wires. Yeah. And yeah, you can always take take the solderings off and remove the Pico and mm -hmm. it's just back to normal. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's no permanent hardware or software modifications needed. So, very, very cool thing. Um, plus, uh, the Raspberry Pi Pico now comes with Wi-Fi. So, in theory, you could actually map a network share to your Raspberry <laughs> Pi and load, have updates. Yeah, and load GameCube games directly over your network. That'd be awesome. Right? <laughs> wonder what the latency would be with that. Yeah, because it probably couldn't map everything or couldn't load everything into memory right away, even right. though GameCube games aren't huge. But well, you're still talking multiple GameCube gigs was... for some of the larger ones. Yes, yes, that's true. Like Breath so, of the yeah, Wild, I, I think, is like 1.1 gig, or not Breath of the Wild, but uh, Wind Waker oh, um, like is 1.1 yeah. gigs. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, some of them get up there. Uh, you've got like GoldenEye Rogue Agent, I know, is another big one. I think that's a 1.5 gig ROM. Mm -hmm. uh, Time Splitters is up there. So, yeah. Uh, but no, very cool. I, I love seeing inexpensive solutions to things like this. Because like I said, yeah. modifying consoles has always been a very expensive endeavor. Yeah. Uh, and so the use of the Raspberry Pi Pico has been just kind of a, a breath of fresh air into this entire community of, of retro mm -hmm. modders and, and resto modders, I guess you could call them if you want to use the car colloquialism. Yeah. And the N64 one's kind of nice because, yeah, it's just cartridge-based. There's really no hardware right. modifications. It's far, just poof, one cartridge, done. Yep. This one's a little different because, yep, the GameCube was a first disc-based Nintendo. And so there's going to have to be some kind of hardware modification because there is, I think, some software hacks that you can do where you have a loader and it, it will load um, some other software in there. But mm -hmm. it, it I think it's, it's just because of how it is per game, it's different. Right. So this is this is a more uh, one size fits all solution. 
mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter. Every game will work. Uh, it'll all work on this on the hardware again. It's it's pretty sweet. Uh, Technica Viviant says, uh, if they ever get that going on the NES or SNES, I'll lose my mind. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the very near future you saw something for that. Because, I wouldn't be surprised either. Because the Nintendo 64 uses a modified version of the NES and SNES lockout chip. Um, there's a great video by um, MVG Gamer, or M- MVG, Modern Vintage Gamer, Um where he breaks down the copy protection of the NES, SNES, and N64. Um, and the SNES and, and, and SNES both share the exact same copy protection chip. Uh, and it was actually reverse engineered by trying to, but it was actually a a games vendor that reverse engineered it so they could use things like Game Genie and, and other tech mm-hmm. on there. Um but uh, it was the same chip on the SNES, and then it's a modified chip, but the same core technology and core algorithm in the Nintendo 64. Uh, so because they've already figured out the N64, I guarantee this is literally plug and play into the NES. Oh, yeah, probably. I would assume so. <laughs> I mean, they've had they've had tech like this for like uh, the DS, uh, some of the older Game Boys and stuff like that, too, where they had like cartridge loading uh, um uh, type of thing where you just put in your SD card. I've had those oh, for yeah. years, but this yeah. is this is uh, <laughs> the first time they've had like uh, home kits using the Pico for right. Uh, yeah, for the for main consoles, which is cool. Yeah, it really. No, is. I uh, I had a uh, a loader for my DS. I had a loader for my 3DS, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had loaders for a couple other consoles as well. So it, it's really cool to see some of the retro consoles starting to get into get that loaders. Yeah, in mm-hmm. in an affordable way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we do have a couple super chats to jump back to. Denver sends over $5. Thank you very much, Denver. Uh, you kid, but this should be faster than L1 charging. L1 charging is normally uh, 700 to 1200 watts. This looks like 1600 watt of solar panel uh, and greatly increased drag. Uh, talking about the yeah. Tesla charger. Sister, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. In theory, this could be top end level one or level two charging. Um so you're not going to get level three. You're not going to get supercharging, but mm. um, yeah, 1600 watts of peak. It could definitely be up there. Although they're advertising 1600 watts, it's probably in the neighborhood of like 1200 concurrent or 1200 sustained wattage. Uh, so I, I'm guessing a high-end level one charger. Uh, Ryan Sharp sends over $5. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, full down all the seats and have a mobile LAN party. Uh, talking about my van. Uh yeah, actually, the thought crossed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> a mobile land party. Yeah, you can then you can like uh, get the uh, Tesla trailer and hook the car up to it so it charges the there car. There you go, sixteen hundred watts. Yeah, I got, there you go. I got thirty amps behind me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tech Geek sends over another five bucks. Thank you very much. Uh, GameSphere is only the most sophisticated gaming experience ever created by humans, and it's spherical. He's talking about the Okami Game Sphere. Oh, okay. From okay. South Park. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. We were just talking about references about that old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before we started the show. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the Okami Game Sphere. <laughs> Get did it, Cal. Uh, Sean says, uh, Craft Competing got into Raspberry Pis a couple years ago, and man, it has come a long way since. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. I 
I bought some of the original Raspberry Pis. I have an original 256 megabyte uh, Raspberry Pi Model B that was manufactured in China. And you know that because it's the red PCB, not the green one. Um, like that's how long I've been into them. Mm. Um, and I've bought, I don't want to say hundreds of them, but it's probably close over the years yeah. uh, because I've used them for dozens upon dozens of different projects uh, from digital signage rollouts to uh, remote access machines to pie holes and routers and, and mm -hmm. little DHCP network servers and things like that. Uh, to I mentioned last week that I used to run a remote event photography business and I used Raspberry Pis to control DSLR cameras that were set up remotely. Uh, I've used, uh, yeah, so it's amazing what the Raspberry Pi has done to the maker community to uh, mm -hmm. make not only hardware modification, but software uh software engineering accessible to everyone. And that was the overall goal of that project to begin with. And to see the success that they have had is is really remarkable. To sum up, Raspberry Pis are cool. Oh, uh, apparently Cosworth sent over a, a super chat and I forgot. My bad, Cosworth. Oh. Oh, okay. uh, $5, more used Tesla reviews and retro styled fridge and freezer reviews. <laughs> retro stuff. <laughs> you know, there's going to come a time where you can pick up like a Tesla Model 3 for like 8,000 bucks. I think that's the day I review a Tesla Model 3. Uh, <laughs> like, think about how much I've spent for some tech reviews on the channel. Mm -hmm. Like, think of like my cloud gaming server and think of things like that. Yeah. Like... I don't know that I would necessarily buy a Model 3 just to review, but if I could buy a Model 3 and then Tesla swap my 350Z. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, that, that... <laughs> we can well, talk. Have to be, we can talk. You have to become like a more of a, of a, of a car tuber. You have to put like a third thing on there. You got uh, right. tech, beer, <laughs> and car news. There you go. <clears throat> I could seriously see myself becoming a car tuber if if I got just a little bit more free time. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got plenty of that, right? <laughs> overflowing, Steve. Yeah, so so much, so much. You're yes. literally just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, staring at the wall. What do I want to do today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. How's that beer treating you? You almost done? It's delicious. Mm -hmm. This is I've been saying for like the last three or four or five months, every hazy I, I have now gets a little bit better because yes. they finally figured out how to bring out all the flavors and get yeah. rid of all the crap. You know, I've been, I was just talking about this the other day too, because I've been noticing a lot of these IPAs. It used to be with uh, stouts and porters and stuff like that. <laughs> you would let them warm up a little bit because you would get these really different flavors out of them. Right. I've been noticing that more and more with hazies. Yes. Where as the as the IPAs warm up and and the types of hops that they use in that you get completely different flavors out of them, more fruity flavors, melon flavors, stuff like that. Whereas in the past IPAs, especially Northwest IPAs, 
the warmer they got, the kind of skunkier they got, the mm-hmm. almost like more bitter flavors came out. Where with these IPAs, these hazy IPAs, you get you tend to get more juicy, fruity notes when you when you wait and warm up. Right. So I've been I've been kind of actually quite enjoying taking these IPAs and just sipping on them and taking a little bit more time because towards the second half I experienced something completely different than the first half. Yeah. Um yeah, this one it, it's really funny because you normally attribute hazy IPAs to super acidic and highly tropical mm-hmm. and I've never heard one described as smooth. Like right. like that's one word that that just doesn't they don't line up. Um this one, the more you drink it, the more it becomes like a cream ale. Yes. And you remember when we first started having hazies, even on this channel, mm-hmm. we would always comment about, oh, this tastes great, <laughs> but man, that acid burn is just right. really... This tastes great for the first four ounces. Yeah, exactly. And now we're not really getting that anymore. <laughs> no. They've really figured out the balance and, yeah. and how to get it just right. They've yeah. got it dialed in. Yeah, how, how to get that that super sweet, tropical, you know... Not not the IPA citrus flavors, not the orange mm-hmm. and the guava and the passion fruit and things like mm-hmm. that, but like the the pineapple and 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 those kinds of things mm-hmm. to really pop out, um, which is a, a completely different flavor of hop, mm-hmm. and and it really does some magical things with the with the flavors. So, absolutely. <clears throat> and we're kind of lucky because we're in we live in an area where they're kind of at the forefront of developing new hops. And I don't know if you've ever been to um, Topwire around here. Have you been to Topwire yet? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, close to our area, there's a uh, tap house called Topwire. Uh, and it is literally in the middle of a hop field owned by Crosby Farms. Yep. And all the beers there are made from the experimental hops or the hops that they grow there. Some of them are experimental, not all of them. but. Right. Um, and the, and the beers are, are only from their hops. So you get to go there and try, okay, this is what this tastes like. This is mm-hmm. what they're growing. This is what they're working on. Very fun, uh, especially if you go in midsummer when the hops are just growing and you're just surrounded by it. Excellent, excellent venue. Very oh, cool. Yeah. And then they harvest it and you feel like, oh, God. You feel like like after you just shaved or something, it's like <laughs> everything's all naked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, my drive home used to be by two of the three largest hop fields in Oregon. And mm-hmm. that's saying something. Yeah, those um, are huge, yeah. Yeah, I, I used to drive by those hop fields. And uh, man, September with the top down. Ooh, you know, the can smell oh man, you're just driving by going, oh, mosaic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can smell it, yeah. You oh, can yeah. smell the hops and it was wonderful. And occasionally I'd get stuck behind some of the hauling trucks. Yes, I, yeah, I it's remember too. Like, oh, some some man. of the hops go flying off too. <laughs> you get pelted with Luplins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, driving the convertible down those roads is still one of my favorite things to do. And I still mm-hmm. will, will buzz by those roads in, in late summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to drive by the hop fields. I mean, it's mm. it's wonderful. Um, it but uh, but yeah, when they when harvest time comes, yeah, in one week they're gone. In, in yeah. one week, it goes from oh, yeah. like hops as far as the eye can see to the desolation of smog. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, because it does. It's it's like it comes like it was one of the most beautiful venues I've been to. Yeah, and like a week later, it's like okay, this is kind of uh, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. Right. <laughs> it's like I'm drinking beer in the middle of a dirt field. Yeah. <laughs> but You're but not yeah, wrong. no. <laughs> actually, one of the most most pleasant aromas I've ever had is actually went 
uh, after they harvested hops, I've been into one of the barns where they're drying. Like, oh, just, yeah. As far as the eye can see, just racks and racks of hops that are drying. Yep. And that it was like the most pleasant aroma I've ever smelled in my life. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, that smells so good. You know what smells even better? Miner's Tears. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> they taste delicious, too. They taste delicious. So I'm oh, going yes. to open this Quilter's Irish Death oh, in yeah. memoriam of, uh, of Ethereum Miners here. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, you, you dropped this one in as a feel good story and man, is this the feel good story of the year? I absolutely agree. Yes. Uh, so apparently over the last two years, unless you were one of the top dogs and got in very early, uh, newsflash, most Ethereum miners lost money over the last 24 months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aww. Aww. So Aww. sad. Oh I no! Anyway, yeah, exactly. Goodbye. <laughs> Should we do the the Kirk shocked? The, the... Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah. So apparently, you know, uh, and hopefully, this is a lesson for you know the next release, the four thousand series. That, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, if you spend a bunch of money trying to get these video cards, you might not be getting your money back. And I really liked how uh, Thomas Hall broke bad this at thing all. down. Yeah, no, I don't either. Uh, I like how they really broke it down where it's like, if you did it, you had to do it at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and they did it three different ways. They said, okay, if you bought uh, right at, at the launch of the 3000 series and started mining Ethereum how much you would get right now and they're taking it under the guys that you held on to the cryptocurrency you actually mined right you didn't sell it you just held on to it because you thought well cryptocurrency is going to keep going up and up uh if you held on to it and didn't sell it right now there would be like i think if you bought a uh, rtx 3090 you would have profited 254 (laughs) dollars that's it (laughs) Right, that's, and that's I, that's ideal situation. Ideal, ideal situation for an RTX 3090. If you were mining Ethereum literally since the release of the 3090, yeah. your net profit was two hundred fifty four dollars per card. Yeah. Uh, now, if we if we scroll over on this list, if you were unfortunate enough to get an AMD graphics card, uh, you could be looking at losses of five hundred dollars for yeah. a two hundred and for a uh gosh what was the the launch price of the 6600 xt uh i don't don't remember 650 bucks you spent 650 bucks on on a 6600 xt you could be looking at a loss of 504 (laughs) dollars yeah so literally it costs you 1100 dollars to mine on a 6600 xt yeah and this is this was this was at the release of these cards the the surprising one is even the 6900 xt with a 432 dollar net loss mm -hmm. now now these gpu prices i will say they don't reflect the retail cost of these cards because the 6900 xt was a thousand dollar card and when i bought the 6900 xt i paid a thousand dollars it was possible to buy them at retail at retail cost um Mm. and like cards like the 3090 uh this should have been a 1500 card 
and not a $2,500 card. And right. so these approximate GPU costs are inflated above the MSRP quite significantly, almost to the top of where the market was for these GPUs. Mm -hmm. um, so keep that in mind with these numbers, but with the lower end cards, you're still looking at a pretty hefty loss. Like for 6600 XT, I believe that's a $400 card. That's only a $250 difference. You're still looking at $250 in loss. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and it, get, it gets even worse for people who like waited a couple months and they started seeing like, oh, here's a trend. Let's hurry up and get on it. Right. The losses are even worse. There's yeah. like, there's like no profitability whatsoever in yeah. any car that you bought. Yep. So it's only the people that started at the beginning and that were smart. Now it looks better for people who uh, started at the beginning and like were selling. And if they sold at peak, they would actually make money. Yeah. But that's pretty much not anybody. <laughs> There's like hardly anybody that probably yeah. did that. Maybe uh, the, the luckiest the, people in the world. But... The chart that'll make everyone smile is the one that if you started mining on June 1st, mm -hmm. 2021, there's a second yep. chart. This one, made me one. this one made me smile because this one is actually probably pretty accurate. Um, because these inflated costs are, well, right about in line with what GPUs were selling for yes. June 1st, 2021, just a little over a year ago. Uh, if you bought an RTX 3090, you are, for $2,500, you are in the hole with that an additional $1,700. It, it cost you forty two hundred dollars for that thirty ninety. Yes, you got nothing out of that. Right. Thing. Oh, and by the uh, way, you could probably nothing. buy less that card nothing. for like twelve hundred dollars today. Yep, exactly. So yeah, this this when I saw this article, I'm like, oh yeah. yes, so delicious, yes. so delicious. People are pointing out shocked Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many memes that apply to this. Oh, yeah. to this article. I, we, uh, yeah, we were talking about before. It was like we we couldn't just think of one. There's just so many of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good good times, good times. Yeah, and of course this is just an estimate, and they're just using calculations that they thought. But I, you know, given how bad crypto crashed, I this is not. This is not unbelievable. This is like, this seems realistic to me. <laughs> and it, it, it just made me chuckle and laugh. I'm just like, oh God. And the, and the nice thing is, is because uh, they inflated the cost of the GPUs, mm -hmm. there's a good chance that I might get at MSRP a uh, 4000 series at 50% increase in power. Right. <laughs> Yay. Yay for me. I came out ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the sandwich heavy portfolio wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh, what was the Zoidberg quote? I think it was. I think it said the sandwich heavy portfolio or something like that. Yeah. It's like, a sandwich. <laughs> at last, <laughs> I'm a, at last, I'm a prudent investor. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> oh no, I'm ruined. <laughs> Yep. So, uh, on on the upside for miners, and I mean miners as in those who mine, yep. uh, uh, there is an upside that if you got in at the right time and you sold at the right time and played the market exactly right, there's actually pretty good dividends to be made right. in mining. 
But if you were the average Joe who jumped mm -hmm. into this because, well, everyone's mining, I guess I should probably start that, mm -hmm. you probably lost money. Yeah. Uh, but the reason that mining was so popular and so heavy, especially in the in scale, was because of dividends like this, where for every RTX 3090, since September of, tw of 2020, you have the potential to make $10,461. Yeah, $10, yeah. $10, um, like your least profitable cards are in the $1,700 realm uh, yeah. or $223 bucks for a, a 6600 XT. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's, that's counting for ideal situations. You bought the card at MSRP mm -hmm. right at the beginning, and then you mined from, from that point on, and then you sold at peak. Right. That's, that's, the ideal conditions. Right. Um, and that's yeah, kind if, of... If you held your cryptocurrency until June of this year, you lost money. Mm -hmm. If if you held until March 1st, you still lost money. If you sold back in, what was it, November, when when uh, Ethereum peaked at, what was it, 2,800 or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you made money. Uh, but the problem is the bottom fell out pretty quickly. Yeah. Because, well, all the people who had invested early had already made their money and they wanted to leave someone holding the bag. Yep. And all the late, late adopters were holding the bag. Yep. Yep. Ryan says, Dr. Evil has entered the chat. <laughs> $100 billion. It's 1967. That kind of money doesn't even exist yet. Zip it. Yeah, but yeah, it's always www. good to know. www.zipit.com.org <laughs> It's always good to know that the that the the last two years of just struggling and trying to get a video card, those people have uh, who caused that have gotten their comeuppance. Yes. Pretty much have gotten their comeuppance. Right. And now they have to sell their cards for less than retail. Yes, yes. And then we can scoop them up if we want to. Yay! Or not. <laughs> it's up to us. I get to do more cloud gaming stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, trust me, I've been waiting for the uh, the Titan Vs, the Voltas, mm -hmm. uh, that have pretty much been unobtainium their entire lifespan to all of a sudden be done with mining. Um, I almost got one last year for like 400 bucks. Ooh, uh, that yeah. would good. Yeah, I, I was like, I heard it was for sale and I went, I'll take it. I don't care what condition it's in. I don't care if it comes right. with a cooler. I don't, I don't care. Any, yeah. I will take it. Um, and it's like, oh yeah, they already sold. It's like, ah, um, there have been price, so yeah. many, there have been so many opportunities like that over the last couple of years where it's like, yeah, this guy is selling that. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> and by the time I can even respond, it's like, yeah, they already sold it. It's like, okay. Uh, boy, I'm, I'm not sure if I need to start stocking this or not because of, uh, current contract employers who may or may not be working on site for me most days, but PBR <laughs> has released a massive case of beer. And I mean, yeah. absolutely massive. Uh, you can now buy Pabst Blue Ribbon in a 1,844 can case. Oh yeah. You need a flatbed truck to right. haul this case right. out of the store. <laughs> Yeah, that 
that's that's i mean the number 1844 is significant because that's i think the year of uh the founding of pabst yes the, the brewery yeah yeah it's an oddly so, specific number right yes you would say 1840 that seems kind of weird right but no it's it's the year they're founding so they're like okay marketing paps have always done that kind of thing with marketing they did the uh 1776 beer they did the 99 uh beer pack so this is not uh, unusual but this is their record breaking pack yes uh, of 1844 yeah, um, we, we talked about actually both their previous large packs, the 1776 yes. and the 99 case, yes. um, which was available in a two by two tube mm-hmm. of, of cans of beer. Yeah. Oh, there With like one guess. duct taped on the side. Yeah. <laughs> we can get to 98. Uh, it's a, it's there we go, 99. Surprisingly, the 1884 uh, pack uh, is, it only goes for 50 bucks. It's pretty cheap. It's Pabst. No, I don't know how much it's for, but <laughs> uh, no, they, they only made like 250 of these. So there's yeah. not that many. Yeah. 200 um, of these 1844 packs. Um, and they didn't distribute them very wide. So uh, yeah, uh, you're going to need to shop high and low if you want to find one for yourself. Uh, no word on price. However, no. it said the company is giving away $1,844 every day in July to various charities, uh, which I think is also a fantastic way to commemorate uh, this. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, Pabst always uh, increasing uh, their giant packages. I look forward to the 2000 pack here in the future. I'm sure in the next couple <laughs> of years we'll get one. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, Mapping regional grilling and barbecue trends. Yes, I thought this was, was particularly interesting just because uh, it's barbecue season. We got barbecue season going on and I don't know if you guys barbecued uh, this 4th of July. I did a little bit. I did. Uh, I did too. Uh, what did you drink when you barbecued? Uh, drink. I was doing a. Is it block fifteen? Trying to remember. Uh, yeah, it was a block fifteen. It's a. It's a fruited wheat ale. Something of shade. Mm-hmm. Shades of summer. Shum, summer shade. Mm-hmm. Fruited shade. Something like that. Five and a half percent back fruited wheat beer, and it's. Oh, okay fantastic it was lemon and raspberry it tasted like a raspberry lemonade uh oh, yeah. with with Wonderful. like with like some german barley on the back end right. like it good good stuff oh yeah i, I like a nice super hoppy ipa when yes. when i when i grill so i did i did the tricera hops from Ninkasi, which is i mean it's a super super hoppy beer yes uh but i like it i like it it was good uh but this particular uh survey uh, based on um, Twitter data, so uh, geotagged Twitter data, mm-hmm. what people were drinking when they were barbecuing, uh, and what they were going on, and they did it by regions and type of beer. Right now, there's also course, a whole bunch of other stats in this in this survey, which I thought was interesting as well, including oh, really? what do you call a barbecue? Is it oh. a barbecue or is it a or cookout? A cookout. Is okay. is it? Are you doing propane? Are you doing pellets? Are you doing briquettes? Like, uh, do you sell propane and propane accessories? Like, <laughs> like there's there's a whole ton of different charts inside this list. Um, 
So the top 10 cookout states, or sorry, let, let's let's go by this. Uh, do you yeah. call it barbecue or cookout? Um, there, There's some interesting regional trends here. So the upper, I don't even want to call this Midwest, just the upper Western states. So you've got the Dakotas yeah. and you've got Montana and Idaho. They call it a cookout. Right. That's kind of weird. And usually they trend from like Oregon, Washington, like, like, like those who want to like live out in the country from Oregon, they'll move to Idaho or Montana. And so they usually yeah. follow our trends, but they call it cookout. Whereas the majority of the, the Eastern seaboard up to Ohio. So, so the Midwest, uh, you know, I hate that Ohio is Midwest. Like, come on. Yeah. You're still Eastern time zone for crying out loud. You're, you're not Midwest. Uh, yeah, Ohio's not Midwest. Right. I don't think so. Right. I live further inland than Ohio is. And <laughs> <laughs> and that's not saying much. Uh, but yeah, everything except, what is that, Tennessee? Yeah. Tennessee's yeah. the holdout. Yeah. Tennessee's the holdout for barbecue. And Every, New York. Everything else in the South and... Uh, and and whatnot, with the exception of Florida, is cookout. Yeah, I thought that one was really interesting. Yeah, it just seems to be a weird smattering because you would think it'd be regional, right? It would be like definitely the East Coast would call it cookout. You know, well, like they it, used to they, like they they call it you know hoagies and grinders over here. We call them subs over here, type of a thing. It's right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what I find really peculiar is it's regional but it's regional splits the likes of which i've never uh, yes. seen before yes i know like you said like the like Idaho... you've got this weird northwestern region that's yeah. not north and or it's north but it's definitely not west the, and then the oregon oregon washington idaho dichotomy is weird to me because i would think that yeah it would be a barbecue right, in, in right. idaho idaho follows oregon washington yeah like, yeah yeah it's idaho's part of what we consider the pacific northwest yeah yeah. Uh, the term cookout prevalence is most prevalent in the Carolinas and Georgia. Um, and then you got Virginia up here, uh, mm -hmm. but not that prevalent elsewhere. Barbecue is a lot more prevalent elsewhere, although, you know, still not that shaded of a map. Uh, so, I mean, you've got like Iowa and Tennessee leading the charge here. Oh, yeah. Well, so, yeah, you, you definitely. I mean, there's there is a Tennessee style barbecue. So you would believe that Tennessee would, would keep it the barbecue tradition. Correct. Um, mm. Anyway, most popular barbecue beverage by state. This, this made me ashamed to be in the Pacific Northwest. You because... know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to take the W here. Okay. Because okay. at least we're not drinking a light domestic. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, but, but White Claw, we got White Claw. Not we got beer. We got White Claw, but look at the alternatives. It was Budweiser, Bud Light, Coors Light, Bush, or Miller Light. Mm -hmm. Like that was the only other things that popped up on the list. If I'm gonna have my choice at a cookout or at a barbecue, <sighs> yeah, it's probably gonna be like a Black Cherry White Claw. Okay. <laughs> like really, given the alternatives. Okay, given the alternatives listed here. I probably would have taken a Budweiser over a White Claw. I Ooh. don't know. I don't know about a a, a a a Bud Light. Maybe even Miller. I'd probably take a Miller Light over a White Claw too. No, nope. I'll take a White Claw over everything on that list. Really? 
I, I don't know. I just, I mm-hmm. just, I've had some really good uh, seltzers, but White Claw ain't one of them. Yeah. I, I think they're just, I think they're oh, just okay. Uh, and I'd much rather have a Budweiser. They're okay, but to me, they're not like, like if I have regular soda and diet soda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't stand diet soda. I can't stand diet soda. I, I will drink water over diet soda. Yes, I'm, me too. Um, I feel the same way about a lot of domestics, and and it's oh, really? and yeah, um, like I I just flat out won't drink Budweiser, Bud Light, Miller Light, Bush Light, Coors Light. I think they're gross. I, I <laughs> legitimately, I I I cannot. The, stand the I, taste I, of it. I have I I, no, I don't disagree with you they, they don't taste great uh, and, and, and I'm I not found and I'm not coming from like a, an uppity or better than thou or, or mm-hmm. whatnot um I, I'm coming from the I just don't like them uh and so like given the choice between like yeah I've got like a Kirkland lime seltzer mm-hmm. or or a Budweiser, yeah, give me the seltzer all day long. It's five yeah. percent. It's 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 higher ABV than Budweiser anyway. Here's the thing that kind of because like of all those things, and even it's light, refreshing, car, low calorie. Like, what's not to like? I I would I would actually prefer like a Cerveza, like a Corona or a Modelo or something. I would take those over any of those right there easily. I won't take one of those. I I still won't take one of those. I I, no? I don't like the really. The really inexpensive, like Mexican pilsners and lagers and things like like, it's all in the same category. And and I've talked oh, about no, this. You, like, you put you get them ice cold with the lime in it. Tastes really good. I've talked about this a couple of times. Cold, yeah, I I do come from a position where in Oregon we have something called a bottle return. We have a deposit on our yes. bottles. In mm-hmm. high school, my job was to maintain the bottle machines at the local grocery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So imagine the stank. Oh, of nine-month-old, rotten, fermenting domestic beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you think Corona is skunky out of the bottle? Oh, no. I know exactly how that smells. I know right. how it smells. Right. And so yeah. that was a lot of my job when I was like a senior in high school, mm-hmm. uh, was taking care of those machines and maintaining and cleaning the insides of those and oh, yeah. getting like like glass dust stuck halfway up my mm-hmm. arm from cleaning glass return machines and... God, it was awful. And so, like, part of me is like, yeah, craft beer just tastes better. But it's also from the standpoint of, like, I had to smell that crap for 12 months. Yeah. And and to me, it just brings up all those bad memories all at once. And oh, yeah. I never want to experience that smell again. Oh, well, thank God. Because okay, I don't know how uh, other states do it. Because I know there's other states that have deposits, but Oregon's mm-hmm. one of the more uh, uh, we have the ten cent deposit. Now. Ten cent, yeah, yeah. It's us in Michigan who are ten cent. Okay, uh, but we also have a company called Bottle Drop here, mm-hmm. where they sell bags. There's a particular bag, and you have a QR code with your account on it. Yep. And uh, the bags are more expensive than normal trash bags, but that's how they make their money. Uh, so you literally just fill their bags with your bottles and you just take it and drop it off. Yep. You don't have to go to the can machines. You don't have to do anything like that. Super convenient. Just take it. Yeah, they take a small percentage. Yeah. But man, is it so worth it not to have to have put your hands in that sticky, smelly, old, gross. Let them do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so much better. But, so much better. But I had to work in those rooms for a year in high school. And, yeah. and so that, that turned me off to beer. 
until I was 25. Like, right. I didn't want anything to do with beer because that's the only smell I had ever experienced. Associated with it, yeah. Like, right. how can anybody like this thing? This is gross. Right, exactly. Yeah. And 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 even today, like, like I, I don't drink just flat out. I won't drink domestic beer mm-hmm. because I can't get over that smell. And they all have the same smell once they're like three months old. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Like, like I think you're right. Mexican lagers uh, have it worse smelling as they sit around longer. Domestics, I don't think as much because I think there's more rice in them, but they yeah. still stink. But I, I hate that ricey taste anyway. Yeah, um, yeah I know. there's a reason why they tell you to drink it ice cold. Right, cold as the it's Rockies. So- because, yeah, so, yeah, drink it ice cold so you don't taste how crappy it is. Brewed cold, transported yeah. cold to be drank cold. Yeah, See, because, and that's, and that's God kind of, forbid, that's... it hit room temperature. <laughs> Holy and crap. that's kind of why I don't mind drinking it ice cold on a hot day when I'm barbecuing because I really can't taste anything. It's just a slight beer flavor, and that's about it. Right, but at the it's same time. It's not my preference. Absolutely not my there preference. Are, there are 150 cro- hot, you know, craft beers. Mm-hmm. More than that, even. There, oh, yeah. there are would, hundreds would, of craft beers I would rather drink at a barbecue than any 100%, 100%, domestic. Hundred um, percent, absolutely. And I put white claws above them. See, I wouldn't put white claws above them. I put white claws above domestic. It's domestics. pretty, it's pretty close to it. If, the, if you get the right domestic, like I'll take, I'll take. But see, you're going, in, you're going like, you know, I would take a Miller Lite, maybe a Bud, and I'm going, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd maybe take a white claw. Like yeah. I'm still gonna dig through and look for like that that Sam Adams or <laughs> right. you know oh yeah no I'll take a Sam Adams before any of right like either. give me a Boston Lager any yeah. day like yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, actually yeah. a good beer there there's your all day IPA from Founders there's of course there's yeah, some lighter craft beers out there yes. that are pretty darn good um, now yeah what we're talking here is we're we're really like fighting over. How far will you scrape down into the barrel? Right. How, <laughs> Do you want to how far am how I far? willing to limbo? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what's the, this is this is our best of the worst right here. Right. What, what is our best of the worst? Yeah. Uh anyway, Jack Daniels is in the news. Uh oh, they yeah. have a whiskey so high proof they had to design a special cork so it would stay on the bottle and not deteriorate. Yes. <laughs> I am actually interested in finding this, but uh, reading the article. I kind of want this much, too. There's pretty much no chance because I think they're only selling it in in Tennessee. Right. So, um, uh, I, I don't know that I have a lot of Tennessee viewers, but if I do have a lot of, if I do have some Tennessee viewers, if you can get me a bottle of this, I will reimburse you for double. I, mm-hmm. I I will pay for shipping and I will double your money back. Yeah. I want one of these bottles. Yeah, and so, they, they have this they have the smaller version. I don't know if they had I don't know if they just do smaller versions. But I did read that they had different proofs. Yeah. So this is um, this is a single single barrel and, and the single barrel, and I don't know if people know this, um, but distilleries because i've actually been to a couple distilleries before and when you're making whiskey specifically where the barrels are fermenting makes a big difference oh totally they'll have they'll have huge warehouses and then if you have them up higher versus down low just the air pressure alone if you have them against the wall against an outside wall yeah. versus against an inside wall yeah uh yeah. it will make a difference it right. um heat makes a huge difference yep. all, uh air, airflow around the cask like ev- every little thing 
yeah, Jeff putting out a bounty. You're darn right I am. If, if someone <laughs> goes by the Jack Daniels distillery and picks up a bottle, I will double your money back. Um, anyway, uh, this, this particular whiskey is a small batch release of Koi High or Koi Hill High Proof. Um, yep. and was originally released as a single barrel expression. It's based on their old number, number seven recipe, but it is super high proof. It is yeah. straight out of the bottle or mixed directly out of, out of barrels. Um, and, uh, they had essentially five different barrel proofs that they've mixed down mm-hmm. uh, to get their final final batch. Uh, yeah. The five barrels that they mixed were 143, 147, 150, 153, and 155 proof. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> to get the 155 proof would be excellent. Right. Um, uh sean wants to know have i tried utopia by by sammy uh not by sammy smith uh i've got a samuel smith stout and i think i said last week it's the worst stout that i've ever had in my life sam adams is is a mixed bag for me because some of it's good and some of it's bad no no no. uh he's talking sammy smith samuel smith Smith. samuel Samuel smith Smith. which is a they do they do the organic stuff yeah they do they do the organic stout yeah i know what you're talking about yeah yeah um yeah uh we will be getting a bottle of utopia this year like flat out well well no utopia is by is by sam, sam adams. adams right yes uh, uh, sammy smith is is they they do the organic ones those correct different. correct those, those are those are uk um but uh um well, back, back to the back to the whiskey. Back to the whiskey, yeah. <laughs> back to the whiskey. Uh, so they have mixed those five barrels and then diluted them down ever so slightly to hit what somewhere between one thirty-seven and one hundred forty-eight proof. That's seventy-five percent ABV. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> um, so you know how we all tasted the world's mm-hmm. strongest beer last year? Yeah. This is higher than that. This is higher than that. Yes. Right. That was seventy-one percent. This is pushing yeah. seventy-five. Yeah. This would be excellent to try. I mean, I'm not a huge fan. Okay, I'm of normal Jack Daniels of all the whiskeys. I do not like regular Jack Daniels that much. Neither do I. Uh, but Gentleman I Jack, had, pretty good. Gentleman Jack's pretty good. Yes, yeah. but some of their specialty ones, I've had it and I thought they were quite good. So I would be like super stoked to try something like this. And the reason why it got so high, it was the I guess they stored the barrels in a higher elevation in the warehouse, mm-hmm. and yep. so there was a, a higher. Uh, 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 angels cut yeah high, higher people... barometric pressure which leads yeah. to a higher angels cut right yeah angels cut is uh the evaporation of the liquid so that it's, there's a it's the absorption into the wood no the absorption or no wood that's is devil's, devil's cut. cut that's right that's devil's yeah. cut absorption was right. devil's cut evaporation is angels cut that's right yeah so um and uh uh yeah so there was an unusual high amount so it's like that's why this one's such a rare fine because it was a higher uh percentage of angels cut yep and what did they say it's only 55 bucks 55 bucks you can get it through the distillery shop 55 bucks that's not bad so literally i will pay you back for shipping plus 110 bucks plus tax like i'll pay for your tax too totally cool That's a that's a that's a that's a money making opportunity right, right. there for if, anybody who lives in if Tennessee. If someone if someone lives near or around the Jack Daniels Distillery, if you visit the shore the store and you ship me a bottle, I will double your money. There you go, money making opportunity right there. Yep. 
And then if that happens, I'm going to be coming to Jeff's house. <laughs> oh, we've got to make a video or two on that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I'll trade you uh, a sip of that for uh, some pickle beer. Ooh. <laughs> Steve will no longer be invited. <laughs> no, I'd never force you to drink pickle beer. Although it'd be funny. I think it'd be fun. You'd try. I would. I, I'm never going to force you, but I think there's like a lot of entertainment value in it. I think I think people would tune in. Do a pay-per-view type of Jeff drinks a pickle beer. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I don't even want to put that on Patreon. Like That's asking <laughs> for trouble. And you got to get that. We got to get the most like rank tasting pickle actually of all the pickle beers i've had none of them were actually bad the only rank one that i've ever had was the uh the uh uh cheese popcorn beer that okay. one was absolutely okay. rank and foul see you 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 say that but like we had like the pepperoni pizza beer yeah i i liked it and you didn't i know i know i get that we have different tastes obviously i I have to call it for what it was. And if this was untapped, it's like, yeah, I'm going to give it a three, five, Oh, like a three and a half out of yeah. five because it was it that freaking liquid pepperoni pizza. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> it was pepperoni pizza soaked in Bud Light. Yeah. And I thought it was, I mean, and like, God it... bless them. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Well, that's why I kind of like that. Uh, pickle relish mustard beer it's like I, yeah i don't want to drink a whole pint of this but man it it tastes exactly what they said they they, yeah. they put out a, a product they didn't mince around with their advertising and nope it tastes like mustard and pickle relish right and and see that's where you and i get into trouble is because yeah. we rate beer based on what does the brewer think it should be yeah uh because john will take like pops and brews, John will will mm. taste a beer and go, "That's really good." And it's like, "Yeah, but I didn't get three out of the four things they said I right. should be tasting." Right. Yeah. Like whatever they were trying for, they missed. Yeah. One one of the one of the biggest like, and I actually hated the beer, not because it was a bad beer. So uh, a while back, and I and I still I'm still kind of soured on new Belgian beers because of this. They had like a limited release of Ben and Jerry's ice cream beers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, well, that's that sounds pretty great. Like, we're gonna have maybe some sweeter ice little cream. Fish or, food, like, like, little, yeah. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have some sweeter tasting, maltier, with some some neat uh, creamier because it's you know supposed to be milk based. But when I got it, I tasted it. It didn't taste anything different than what New Belgian normally puts out. It literally just tasted like a fat tire. And I'm like. Uh, yeah. this sucks. This is all like marketing garbage. It's like maybe you threw in a couple pieces of the ingredients that they use for yeah. their beer and just market it like that. And it's like, okay, let's call it good. People are going to buy this no matter what. That's like, uh, that kind of soured me on new Belgian for like the longest time. Right. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that because I've had a number of beers that are like, that's really good, but you said it should have vanilla and coconut. Yeah. And it doesn't taste like vanilla. There's at all. nothing yeah. even resembling yeah. that within this flavor profile. Um, and, and I bought this because it said vanilla and coconut. Mm-hmm. I wanted a yep. vanilla coconut beer and I, it's not there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you and I, I, I like rating beers with you because it's like, I read the back of the label and go, yes or no. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, if, that's if it has that's rule flavors, number one. Yes, rule exactly. number two is, is it good? Yeah. 
Yeah, no. If you you have to do it as advertised, just because you use a special ingredient, if that flavor does not come out, then you better bite it and say mm-hmm. subdued flavors of this, mm-hmm. or or we added this, but hey, it might not be there. Because I've done that before too. I've I've done a beer like my first attempt of making a uh, jalapeno uh, blueberry porter. I really wanted the jalapeno to be super prominent. Yeah. But when I drank it, I didn't taste it. Mm-hmm. There was like almost no spice whatsoever. It's like, all right, I fucked up. Yeah. I got to put more jalapenos in it next time. Yeah. So uh, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get, tell getting anybody. jalapeno to cut through without just having it be like heat is mm-hmm. is definitely a difficult task. Yeah. Because like from jalapeno to jalapeno, you could have a super spicy one. Yeah. And one that's not so spicy. So it's not not super easy to do. But I was trying to I was trying to clone a beer that I had in uh, Florida one time, and it was like one of the best spiced beers, like spicy hot heat beers I've ever had, because it was the perfect balance of chocolatey, spicy, and sweet all at the same time. And I thought it was excellent. And I, I tried duplicating it at home, and I just ah I failed. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was a fine porter with a little bit of blueberry flavor to it, but it it didn't have almost no spice to it whatsoever. Yeah. And are you going for like that green jalapeno flavor, or are you going for like yeah. the the little bit of heat with the jalapeno? Well, uh, like the little bit of heat. I want yeah. the little bit of heat. Okay, I don't mind okay. a little bit of the green vegetable flavor too. That's okay too. But right. I want I want the little bit of that heat to it. I want the heat, sweet, and 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 uh, um, kind of like savory maltiness. I guess I want kind of all good balance between everything. Uh, speaking of good balance, uh, mm-hmm. little number one, little number two, uh, <laughs> beer made from <laughs> recycled toilet water wins admirers in Singapore. Oh, yes. Steve, can you bring me up to date with this one? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of read the article a little bit. Um, this is a uh, beer that was uh, made exclusively with uh, recycled toilet water, or sewage water to be precise. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you think about the grand scheme of things, all the beer we're drinking is made from recycled toilet water. It's, you know, a whole ecosystem right. water vapors. But no, this is this is directly from uh, 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 processed uh, recycled sewage water. And uh, apparently, the they were saying that the uh, mineral profile that came from this particular cycled water, recycled water, actually helped the flavor of the beer. Uh, and as we all know, <laughs> the type of uh, yeah, exactly right. The type of water that you use does have a big impact on the flavor. Very of the beer. impactful on the final yeah. flavor. If you have like uh, water that tastes horrible, you're gonna have beer that tastes horrible. Yeah. Uh, if you have water that has like micronutrients and micro minerals in there, it could help with the flavor of the beer. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, what was it when we went to Abel Baker down in uh, Las uh, Vegas? Las Vegas, yeah. Yeah, they were telling us about how they had to have this special clay filtration system. Yes. When they yeah. make their water because the water in las vegas is so it's terrible so tasting. hard yeah but abel baker made excellent beer their beer was great but they yes. had to have like an increased filtration system so they the water that they put in their beer actually tasted better yeah we, so we've actually was... we've actually seen a microcosm of that here in mm-hmm. the the local willamette valley oregon region oh, yeah um there is uh 
God, they were in my head and they just went away. Uh, Vagabond. Vagabond. Yeah. Uh, Vagabond Brewing. They have a brewery in Salem. They have another brewery in Portland. They brew their beers. They brew one beer in Salem and they brew another beer in Portland. And then they ship between the two sites. Not because they're not able to brew the beer from Salem in Portland and vice versa. Because, like, if you have the grain recipe, it's a beer, right? Right. No, because the water between the two sources is so vastly different. They wind up with two different beers. Yeah. Uh, they, they could use the same exact grain bill, same exact temperature, same exact fermentation process. They will end up with two vastly different beers yeah. at the end of it. And so they have figured out which beers they can brew in Salem and which beers they can brew in Portland. And then they will ship between the two facilities. Yeah. And that's, and that's basically what happened here. And it's yeah. like they were using the recycled water from these processing plants and the micronutrients and micro minerals that weren't exactly filtered out not bad for you at mm-hmm. all but it changed the flavor of the water totally and then in turn when they used it to brew the beer the beer tasted better <laughs> so depending on your filtration system maybe toilet water is the best kind of beer you don't know right <laughs> i mean, I, mean <laughs> I wouldn't use it for mine but you know you i mean know. name a more mineral rich source of course you're gonna have you know yeah, Singapore. Well, they got they got a pretty good diet over there. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't wouldn't source it from American toilet systems where you know our major uh, diet is you know McDonald's and chicken nuggets. But <laughs> <laughs> McNuggets and limp French fries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we do have one more story to get to. We do. Uh, and that is apparently you all have phones. Yes. And credit cards linked to the accounts that you download the apps on your phones because you've been right. more than willing to pay for in-game bonuses when it comes to Diablo Immortal. Uh, Blizzard posted their first 30 days of Diablo Immortal and a lot more of you buy DLC and and in-game packages and boosts than than we're willing to admit. Uh, $49 million in 30 days. I guarantee, is... I guarantee Diablo Immortal is profitable after just 30 days. I know. And that's kind of insane given the backlash that they got from the announcement at BlizzCon. I know. Was it two years ago? It was two, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, right? two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Don't you yeah, guys whole, have phones? You have phones? Come on. Right. It was that whole sh- charade and and okay. like but, like we're all expecting Diablo four. Like all yes. you have to do is put a flaming four up on the up on the big and screen. People, nuts. people lose their minds. Instead, right. it's like no, we're coming out with a mobile game that you can play yeah. the original Diablo, but with like all these added perks. Oh, and also it's pay to win. And people lost their minds, and they said, well, don't you all have phones? And apparently you all have phones, and you're all willing to spend millions of dollars because $49 million 30 days, that's a million and a half dollars a day. I think think the the real bad thing about that whole BlizzCon thing is how they presented it. It wasn't necessarily that it's a mobile game. It was how they presented it because they presented it at the very end of the conference like this right. is the big reveal it was the big We're gonna news do big reveal this is the big reveal because they always save the best for last right mm-hmm. and the best for last was a mobile blizzard game right if they did that in the middle of the shuffle yeah i bet you people would be like oh this is this is very interesting yeah that's where they got backlash from but 
they weren't necessarily wrong. I mean, there is a market for mobile gaming, and obviously, people like Diablo, and obviously, they were right to produce this because one month made $49 million right, right off the bat. Right. Uh, so here's the downloads. Now, obviously, they, they saw a little over a million downloads on the first couple of days, up, upwards of 1.3.5 million for the first three days. And then a significant downfall down to about 250,000 per day for the first week. And then we're seeing like, what is that? 150, 125, 125,000 downloads per day is definitely not shabby um, right. as far as all that goes. Um, but they're earning upwards of about 1.6 to $1.7 million per day in free content, in, in you know, in in app purchase content. Right, right. 1.7 million dollars per day. Yeah. And and as you can see, like there's a little bit of a downward trend here, but let's say it levels out right about the million dollars a day that it looks like it will be. Yes. Can you that's, carry that number to the end of the year? I bet that's you can. Highly, highly profitable. Right. Highly profitable. Let's just say they carry a million dollars per day to the end of the year. That's 170 million dollars. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's not that's not yeah that's not a, a small amount. This is a winning formula, right? Uh, which kind of given given how Blizzard's standpoint is right now, they're kind of hurting, right? A lot of people are uh, not really liking the direction that World of Warcraft's going. A lot of people uh, are not liking the direction that uh, Overwatch Two is going. Uh, I think there's still a lot of anticipation for Diablo 4, obviously, but um, not at this point. There's not. Yes, a lot, a lot. Of, so, so their their core base is not looking too great. But then they release this mobile app, and they're like, "Oh, we're making a ton of money from this." All what of a sudden, we're gonna, a mobile what, developer. What, yeah. What do you think they're going to do in the future? They're thinking they're right. going to go. Uh, they're going to go mobile. Let, let, uh, let's put let's put 170 million. Like let's say Diablo Immortal makes 170 million dollars mm -hmm. in the first six months of release. Okay. Let's just like round that to where it is. Um, Diablo three in the first week. Yeah, made $315 million. Right. Uh, they, they sold 6.3 million copies, let's say $50, $50 each. They made right. three, $315 million in the first week of Diablo 3. They've probably made about $650 million on that. Um, let, but that's been over a decade. Yeah. Like, that's that's the lifespan of that of that franchise, of Diablo yeah. 3, started in 2012. Uh, you know... Let's say they've made six hundred million dollars. Like, let's be generous there. Mm -hmm. uh, man, can you imagine the revenue return from Diablo Immortal? Let's say they hold that one million revenue through next year. That's four hundred and ninety million dollars. Yeah. For eighteen months of a mobile game. Yeah, and I, 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 I guess I kind of take that back. I don't think they're gonna be. I don't think they're going to go mobile. I think they're going to go more monetization. 
Well, every com- just, every company, regardless trying, of they, they want, they regardless want of if they're a a games developer or an app developer or uh, a social media service or a TV provider, they're all trying to get you to do subscription services right now. They want the, the games for they want the games for service type of model. They want the games for service. One. They also yeah. want the the re, the predictable monthly return. That's the yeah. big thing is because think about traditional games development where mm-hmm. you spend four years developing Diablo three and then you make half of your money back in a month and the other half back over the next eight years. Yeah. Like that's that's how games development works mm-hmm. is is you'll sink a hundred million dollars into development of Diablo three and in the first week you'll make three hundred and fifteen million dollars. Uh, but unfortunately you have to spend a hundred million dollars to get to that first week. Mm-hmm. Um, after that point, you do some patches and some releases and maybe right. a couple free DLCs to get some, some stragglers on and, and whatnot. And, you know, it ends up making 600 million, but you know, 500 million profit. No one's going to scoff at that too much. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, I had to spend a hundred million dollars up front for the first four years. Yeah. Right. That's um, a heavy investment. Right. I guarantee Diablo Immortal does not have nearly that amount of of development time and development costs associated with it. I'd be shocked if we were north of $30 million for Diablo mm-hmm. Immortal. Uh, they've already made $49 million. Like, I guarantee... They're already like, they're oh, already this, right this, is, this is working good. This, <laughs> this, is, this was a smart decision already. In their Imagine if in the first 18 months it nets $490 million profit. <laughs> like that's yeah. the track that they're on do you understand that <laughs> of course well that's the thing they see these numbers and that's that's the way they're going to go monetization right you get a popular ip you start monetizing it right. i mean that's what they did world of warcraft it's it's subscription-based service it's been going strong it's made them a ton of money i don't think there's any product that they're going to make that's going to surpass world of warcraft but they're starting to do that with diablo uh, uh i think somebody mentioned in the chat um that uh, overwatch 2 yeah it's going to be free mm-hmm. but it's a small ip that they're starting up and i guarantee you it's going to be more monetized than than the first one disney spent four billion dollars on lucas arts they then went out and made five movies. They made Rogue One, Solo, and then the sequel trilogy. Mm. Uh, but then they spun it around and went, "Hey, why don't if we why don't we use Star Wars to make everyone buy our service for fifteen dollars a month?" Yeah. Well, not only not only Star Wars, but Marvel as well. Right. And so now we have Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and Obi Wan mm. and mm. the soon to be released uh, Lando and there's a whole bunch of other series that and, are like Andor, on the cusp Andor or something like that. Yeah, Andor. I think yeah. is another one. Um, and you know, they're trying to get away from relying on the box office single day sales because. Let's be real. The opening weekend of a box office summer hit is eighty mm-hmm. percent of the money you'll make over the oh, lifetime yeah. of that movie. Absolutely. And I have friends who run businesses that are like literally dependent on one week's one one to three weeks worth of income. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have a really good friend who runs a haunted house. Uh, yeah, and uh, he he works eleven months out of the year to open his haunted house for three weeks a year. Yeah, and. Uh, and he makes all of his money in that three weeks. And let me tell you the stress going into those three weeks. Oh, I bet. Now, oh, yeah. now during those three weeks, he loves to turn to me and go, I'm making $12,000 an hour right now. 
<laughs> that's all you're making right <laughs> but he doesn't get to work the other 11 months yeah, yeah i know i know it's crazy i know i know exactly who you're talking about too and yeah they, they yeah. are the best uh, haunted house in the area but, oh they are and, uh, and he's a great guy like i, I love yeah. him to death but yeah it, it's it's really funny when you put your head into that mindset yeah. Where that's the same lifespan of a software developer and a games publisher and, and yeah. things like that is they're little and hop farmers, like let's mm-hmm. circle all the way back to beer. Um, we talked about like driving by hop farms for yeah. nine months of the year and being able to smell all the different variants of hops mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. seeing the beautiful fields that are laid out in front of you. They literally make all of their money for the year in one week. In that one time. And that yeah. is harvest That's all week. The time. Yeah. And harvest week, you know when that week is because the every single highway in the area is jam-packed with hop with trucks. Those, yep. They're all and they're the open air trucks that have yep. the hops just hang They're out. the open air yeah. trucks with like the yeah. slat wood sides. Yep. Yeah, and, I know because like you can drive down the highways here, the country backcountry roads, and yeah. you see this like little bits of hop leaves and stuff like that strewn oh, all just over the road. Strewn down the road, yeah. 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 You could probably just walk along the road and collect your hops for the year as a homebrew. Oh yeah, you could. You get a little slightly asphalt taste to it, but it's fine. You Who know? cares? Let's <laughs> call it the asphalt IPA. You right, know? right. Roadkill <laughs> IPA. Yeah, Roadkill road IPA. IPA. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like hop farmers make all of their money in one week yeah every everything that they do throughout the entire year culminates Mm -hmm. into one week where it's do or die and and it's kind of it's not quite that severe when you're like an app development firm like sometimes you're a no man's sky (laughs) yeah but for the most part you're a you're a do or die like we're gonna release the game now okay cross your fingers let's hope we're profitable right because <laughs> we, we i hope we it's good enough money before yeah right. exactly yeah development time for for giant you know games like that it's it's takes a long time it takes a lot to do yeah and unless you have like income coming in oh. from other sources it's it's literally do or die yeah so um that's why these type of models are super attractive to software developers because yeah okay maybe we can develop these one-off games and yeah. so who cares if they're successful or not we still have this steady stream of income from our other stuff right uh, and you look at disney going you know look at all the hate we got for the rise of skywalker justified uh yeah. but but they're going would we rather just make more mandalorian of course i'd be cool with that yeah that's fine the mandalorian is the best star wars franchise to come out for a long time period like, right oh yeah uh mo zamboni chimes in five dollars thank you so much mo uh love talking heads a bunch of nerds talking or a bunch of nerds who love two unrelated things and will change gears without warning your unbridled joy regarding beers and pcs helps us all thank you all right before before we end this i'm gonna try oh you got beer number see. three here uh, this is beer number three but this is this is the special beer because oh this is the yeti it's the Yeti. The five-year it's, aged Yeti. It's five-year aged Yeti, but in a can, yes. not in a bottle. Um, Most I, in bottles. I, I opened three or four months ago um, another Yeti that was five years aged. It was bottled okay. in March of, of 2017, but it, it was, was a bottle. bottle. Though. Okay. And it was still delicious. That's why I'm super curious, because I've had lots of older bottled beers, and they yeah. are absolutely delicious, but I don't have an opportunity to have too many uh, canned aged beers. Right, right. I will say that's uh, an attractive beer. 
Do, do you like the glass too? I got I my do, bejeweled, I <laughs> jeweled glass here. Is that your Prince All Albert right. glass? This, this is this is uh, actually a gift from uh, Hops and Brews John's wife to uh -huh. my wife. Okay, okay. Uh, this is this is like the she got her a fancy glass, and so I'm like, I'm gonna borrow. It. <laughs> Love it. Hmm. You know what? Almost. Okay, my fear was because it was aged in in the can mm -hmm. that it would have some kind of tinny almost illuminating like that that flavor that you get i don't sometimes I, I i don't fear that and the reason being is a lot of cans have almost like a wax or plastic like liner but and I've, so, I've experienced it before i've, I've had i have experienced it before yeah but this one has none of that this is nice. this is a this is actually quite good yeah. <laughs> for being it's really smooth actually yeah this brings up a great point of beers from cans or beers from bottles because yeah. there's a lot of purists who say you know drink beer like or pour beer from a bottle versus beer from a can no actually canned beers are the best you can get as far yes. as from the brewery to your glass they, they will preserve better in a can yes. because there's no light hitting it there's no light hitting um, it and it is a better overall seal uh, everything leaks. Everything yeah. leaks. Everything mm -hmm. has a vent of some kind and will eventually gas out. Cans yeah. gas out slower than wax yeah. top bottles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes, there's some bottles that are more fancy and they just seem mm -hmm. more traditional. But yes, yeah, the only thing I really fear with aging things in a can is that tinny taste to it. That, yeah. that metallic taste that gets to it but this has almost this has none of it it just it tastes like a really solid uh imperial stout like just just the right amount of roastiness just the right amount of sweetness yeah a little bit of hot bite at the end perfect nice, nice. uh the yeti was that 11 percent uh i think it's uh 10.5 10.5 okay yeah i believe so i'm trying to find out where it's at good stuff Oh no, good. I'm glad. I'm glad I got it. All right. Uh, we do have a couple more minutes available in the show. If anyone has any questions, comments, yep. concerns, things you want to know, you want us to talk beer, you want us to talk tech, you want us to talk Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever. Uh, we'll we'll give a couple minutes mm -hmm. here at the end for Q and A. Uh, right yeah. as I'm finishing up my uh, <laughs> Quilter's Irish Death. Yeah. And actually, I uh, as a note about the uh, time slot, I have noticed that we have kept a uh, viewer count more consistent yes. than we have when we had the old old slot. Yeah, it, it is a slightly higher viewer count thus far. I'm hoping that kind of continues because um, mm -hmm. this used to be the viewer count that we would maintain like two years ago. Um, which was just a little over 100. Uh, we peaked at, it looks like, 116. We hit that a couple of different times tonight. Um, and then we're averaging right around 110, 105, somewhere right in there. The last six months or so, we've been averaging more like in the 80s. And, yeah. and I'm not sure if that's a people going back to work, people being unavailable. But I figured we would try a new time slot to kind of give some some more life to it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ian says, I live by Martin House and want to send Jeff some spicy pickle beers. Uh, if oh, you if, okay. If you if live you by li Martin House, John needs the hot dog seltzers. 
No, he needs the hot dog <laughs> seltzers, and he also wants the barbecue beer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the barbecue. Yes. He the wants, barbecue he wants sauce both beer. of those. He he literally uh, <laughs> uh, he was talking to me the other day about he got into some secret uh, traders group for just Martin House. Nice. So uh, um, if if you're able to just sell him direct, yeah, definitely get a hold of Hops and Brews. Yeah. We love. I particularly love the Martin House ones because John always calls me up for it because he knows I'll I'll try anything. I'll do anything. Yeah. I'll try it. It's fine. I won't try anything. I'll try anything. I try I'm, most I'm, things. I am a very adventurous eater. I will eat just about anything. Um, so when he gets some super weird beers, it comes to me to come help him drink it. Yeah. And uh, uh, yes, I always appreciate it because I love those experiences. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Tech Jack Potato says, Jeff, I'm still up. WTF. Um, I don't know why you're up this late. Uh, so that is, uh, Dr. Ian, uh, over in the UK. God, what is it like four in the morning for you right now? What oh, the man. hell are you doing up? Too much still. Spot of dick. <laughs> Good God, man. Um, and he also says he's, uh, meeting Wendell next week. Fun content inbound. Um, are you going to be back in, say, my neck of the woods somewhere around the 21st? I'm, I'm wondering if you got that email as well. Uh, if so, uh, I want to I want to take like a bunch of us out to dinner. Like that could be fun. So uh, if you're going to be supposedly in my area, supposedly around the Intel campus, supposedly around 20th or 21st, uh, supposedly. give me a ring, supposedly. Let's, uh, let's make that happen. Uh, John Jay, what did I think about the 32 drive floppy raid? I haven't seen the video yet, although I've seen it posted a couple of times. Um, I've always considered trying that just for the freaking hell of it. A fro- do we, do floppy we drive have raid. Floppy drives? Right. <laughs> do we have uh, a, floppy a guy raids? hooked up 32 USB floppy drives and raided no. them. I, I saw I saw the video yeah. um, too. I thought it was neat, but um, I don't I don't know where you would get that amount of floppy drives anymore. No one sells them. Right. It's, it's like, like I, you... I have I have two. I have an internal and I have a USB. Yeah. And and I keep them just for when I may need them. I I've been doing some like some some really good spring cleaning. So I've been going through my uh, my e waste pile that I have in my house, <laughs> and I did find one of my old uh, 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 Core Two Duo um, workstations that I used to have in the office. It still has a floppy drive in it, so I have one. Yeah. <laughs> I have one floppy drive left. Yeah, Ian says it is 4 a.m. Yeah, I thought it was 4 a.m. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, what are you still doing awake? That's what I want to know. What you're doing is far more interesting than what I'm doing. Uh, you can still get USB floppy drives on Amazon. Uh, really? Well, I knew you probably could, but 30 of them? Like, come on. There's there's a limit to everything, even Bezos. They have uh, the USB floppy drives, I think. Yeah, Floppy Tron is the keeper of the floppies. Yeah, as oh, well he Tron. should be. Uh, floppy Tron Imperial March. Oh, I'm well acquainted with the Floppy Tron Imperial March. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is the the swan song of the Floppy Tron 1.0, 2.0, and now 3.0 machines, um, which include five and a quarter drives, hard drives, flatbed scanners. Oh yeah. yes, I'm I'm well aware of Floppy Tron. Uh, Klaus says, hello from Denmark. Love the show. Just woke up, so I'll have to watch the show when it's over. Hello, oh. <laughs> and good morning. Hello. 
Uh, Ian says, not 21st, maybe the 15th. Yeah, they keep going back and forth with me, so I'm, I'm curious to see what day they settle on. Because they said either the, either the 14th or the week of the 21st was the last email that I had. But uh, I know Rhett's been back and forthing with them a couple of times so i like how they said they'll they'll pay all your expenses to come out there and like i, I live like 30 miles away yeah they're, they're like we will cover the cost of your flight to oh, portland okay. and i'm like oh Can you really just my gas yeah can i just have like a 40 dollar check to drive uh ian is installing a four terabyte pci express 4.0 nvme into a ryzen 6900 hs zephyrus for my U.S. trip next week, now sync two terabytes over Google Drive. Wow! See, that is way more interesting than what I'm doing, which is getting drunk on a tech show. <laughs> I mean, it's not as interesting. It's more fun, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about Floppytron. Uh, yeah, V2 has been retired, and uh, V3 has been posted. And yeah, Imperial March was the first video with V3. Yeah. And he's got quite a few videos of uh, Floppytron V3. So, uh, I am curious what you think about the 6900 HS so far, uh, especially on the Zephyrus. The Zephyrus was like, if I didn't, if if Apple didn't come out with the M1, I would have bought a Zephyrus. So I'm I'm actually really curious to know what you think about that laptop. All right, uh, we got like five minutes left. Sure. We, we are going to do more of a hard out from now on uh, because I have kids that I'm going to go read stories to. And then uh, if you'd like to join the after party, which is the Discord video chat that happens every Wednesday night immediately after the show, uh, we'll be starting mm -hmm. that at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and the only way to get access to that is to join the, it, it, yeah, to join yeah. the Patreon. Uh, link is down in the video description to get the exclusive Discord server. That's what I was trying to get to. Uh, cost you minimum $1 per month. More is always welcome, though. We charge per video, but you can always set a monthly cap at $1 and get the Discord benefit. Yeah. Uh, it's an awesome community. The most prolific and active Discord community that I hang out in. And I'm a member of... Yeah. 20 or so discords i think i'm about 15 yeah but yeah ours is uh, the only one i uh, is the most active i used to say and the most interactive too right like we have a lot of people that just like talking to each other yeah just just what it is yeah <laughs> and it's and it's not just stuff that relates to the show it's not just beer and tech it's yeah it's everything from from cars to uh, we have a politics channel that we haven't had to shut down yet. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, we have a makerspace. We've got networking and and storage and hardware question channels mm -hmm. and people who readily man those to to answer your questions. It's it's a really really fantastic community. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Ian says, as long as the 6900HS and the RX 6800S renders uh, talk, talk potato, Tech Tech Potato videos faster than my 1195G7 and UHD 770 and still offers 10 hour, hour battery life, it's a win. I'll agree with that. Because uh, yeah, I had a, I had a Dell 7357 or something like that. It was a it was a Dell Inspiron laptop that was a Ryzen 2500U, and mm -hmm. so 
four cores, eight threads, Ryzen Zen Plus, and uh, and a Vega 8. And I did a couple CES trips on that. And wow, was that thing a dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I only spent seven hundred dollars for it. Like, yeah, like that's let's, true. let's call it what it is. It was a budget laptop, budget to mid range laptop. Uh, Vega Eight did a did an admirable job when it was streaming, but man, did it did it bog down like crazy whenever I tried to do anything with MPEG Four and Premiere, and, and mm-hmm. it was just not a good time. Uh, so, like I said, I I got an M One MacBook Pro. It's been performing admirably since I bought it, although I really haven't been anywhere to really stretch its legs since I bought it. So, yeah, in fact, the last remote live show that we did was in Vegas on that Dell laptop. And actually that was probably one of the best. (laughs) It was one of the best shows we've ever had. That was a great show. I I really enjoyed being Do you want to know what's really disgusting about that, Steve? Yeah. Episode 125. Was it really? Oh my gosh, we're like at what three something? What are we now? No, two two forty two. Two forty two. One twenty. Wow. It was almost half the show ago. Oh man, but that was still that was a great show. It I was. really enjoyed that show. Epos Vox and and bite my bits, Jason. Yeah, was on, that was, was good. It was a great show, and I can't wait to do those again. Yes. Uh, let's see. Austin says, "Awesome show. Best of luck on the new time slot. I'll try to catch it more. Thank you so much. Perfect. Yes. Uh." Home lab kind of whizzes by too fast. Craft computing Discord is a more homey kind of place feel, not as fast paced. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the whole goal of it. Is is uh, someone pointed out today? Uh, I like that you use jazz music instead of dubstep for your your B roll montages. <laughs> and I went, that's kind of a point because dubstep has its place, but not every build needs to be like. Like I enjoy it as much as the next person, but when every single tech channel, every B-roll montage ever has it, I like to be a little bit more laid back. And that's how I approach the Discord as well. And and that's the kind of community that I try to attract to the Discord. Uh, So it's just a bunch of people who like to hang out, drink beer, talk tech, and you know, be yeah. honest with one another without being at each other's throats. And it's yeah, kind of a be, great just time. Be, just be chill about everything, man. It's fine. <laughs> Jazz is smooth. No one wants whoop, 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 whoop. Right. <laughs> uh, like there's a, like I've used, I've used a couple of like more intense tracks. Uh, but even so, even the tracks that I use like that will be like more cinematic and, and orchestral. Not yeah. necessarily like dubstep and K-pop, like, right. and it's because I like the stuff to be a little bit more laid back. That's just my style. So, uh, let's see. Uh, politics. Wow, says Mozamboni. Yeah, yeah, politics. Uh, it's a single channel and it's contained. And we keep it civil under threat we, yeah. of ban. Yeah, we we <laughs> it works. confine it to one. We confine it to one channel, and it's it's very civil. It's uh, and it doesn't get too overly uh, uh, verbose too. I mean, there's there's like, it's 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 nice. It's not too bad. There's not too much. There's not too much shunning going on. There's a lot of uh, good faith uh, discussion. Uh, 
two more comments I want to read out. Uh, Ian says, uh, um, uh, Tiny Tina Wonderlands, wub, 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 wub. Right, like, like, like not everything needs dubstep, especially like a, a medieval shooter. And then we've got, uh, uh, oh, Craft Computing, compose your own music. I've started doing that. Yeah, no, actually one of the things on my list for the next six months is to start composing my own jazz backing tracks. Uh, so I don't ever have to worry about, you know, common, you know, creative commons ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one more. Uh, Tech Geek sends over, ba, ba, da, ba. It's not unusual to be loved, be loved by anyone. By anyone. <laughs> That's when lunchtime turned from good to great, as uh, John <laughs> Mulaney would say. Uh, Denver sends over $5, and we'll end with this. Did you see the new Lenovo 6800U? $910 with a 6800U, 16 gigs of RAM, and a 512 SSD backlit keyboard. Our laptop prices finally getting reasonable. Laptop prices have been getting reasonable for the last two to three years mm-hmm. as the silicon density has improved. Uh, and what I mean by that is we went from... Maxwell with the dedicated mobile GPUs, which was the 50% or more cut down SKUs of GPUs to full fat gaming desktop GPUs in a slightly undervolted lower power standpoint, but 85% reasonably the power of a desktop SKU. Uh, That kind of started it all the way back in like 2017. Um, Since then, and since AMD re-entered the market on the desktop side of things, They've started pushing Intel on the mobile side of things when it comes to efficiency and overall power, Uh, especially because every single AMD laptop, guess what, comes with Vega 8 or Vega 11 graphics, which has been a a steamroller when it comes to overall efficiency of CPU and graphics horsepower. Uh, Since that time, Intel has been raising the bar with better and better CPUs, kind of culminating in the six core 10th gen holy crap we're gonna melt down because no one knows how to make a heat sink this small uh (laughs) cpus but all of a sudden we're getting you know tiger lake and alder lake cpus that are pretty reasonable little six and eight core powerhouses from intel we're getting cpus like the 6800 hs with vega 8 graphics on board or even better if you've got a zephyrus like an rtx 2060 mobile um eight core 16 threads that honestly, we'll keep up with some desktop parts in some workloads. So uh, competition benefits us all. And a return to competition across the space has benefited the consumer when it comes to AMD and Intel. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yes, laptops are getting better and they're getting cheaper. And the beneficiary of that is all of us. Anyway, that is going to do it for episode 242 here on Talking Heads every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Uh, Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Make sure to drop this video a like. I see that at least 30 of you watching right now have not done so. So go and do that. Uh, Share this video if you found it entertaining. Follow me on Twitter at Craft Computing. Follow Steve on social media if you can find him. Don't. It's I'm not worth it. <laughs> Don't go down there. And uh, as always, we'll see you next Wednesday. All right. See you guys. Cheers, everyone. Bye. We're out.
All right.